0: Welcome to the Bill Kelly Podcast, I'm Bill Kelly. Today, there are calls for accountability and an external investigation into what happened with the Red Hill Report. What happened at the city manager interviews at Niagara-on-the-Lake, and the SNC-Lavalin story continues to have legs. The Bill Kelly Podcast starts now. Today, on the Bill Kelly Show, on 900 CHML. There is the story of what some people are calling the Red Hill fiasco, and that is uh, the uh, revelation that we got last week that a uh, consultant's report that dealt with safety issues, i.e. traction and slipping uh, conditions on the Red Hill, was never shown to city council, certainly never shown to the public, uh, which many people thought was very germane to the debate that was going on that time in lieu of some of the uh, fatalities that had occurred. Uh, City Council at first had decided that uh, they wanted to uh, refer this whole issue to the uh, Auditor General uh, to try to get some clarity on this. But there's been a hue and cry, not just from the public, but from uh, a number of city councillors about, first of all, the fact that many of them feel betrayed by city staff that didn't show this report and the implications to this. One of them was uh, Ward 4 Councillor Sam Marula, who was on our program last Friday. When we asked the questions about the asphalt, we were told
1: that it met or surpassed MTO standards. So I asked directly, "Do these meet the same standards as the 400 series highways?" And he says, "Yes, it not only meets the standard, it exceeds it."
0: Which, by the way, is uh, somewhat contradictory to uh, what was in that consultant's report. So, in light of that, and in light of the uh, the revelation uh, that, that and I'm sure many people have seen now from the actually a, a video of that uh, one of those meetings, anyway, where Councilor Marula was questioning city staff about that and received that sort of response. Uh, Some councillors are rethinking their position and how to approach this. One of them is uh, Councillor Brad Clark, the city councillor for Ward 9. He joins us here on the Bill Kelly Show to talk about this. Good morning, Brad. How are you today? I'm fine. How are you, Bill? Good. It's been a busy weekend. I know you've been busy on uh, social media and on Facebook and on uh, email trying to respond to a number of the constituents. What are you hearing?
2: Uh, Anger um, and exasperation, I think, would be the two words that, that spell out the feelings of my constituents and folks across the city. Anger at who? Um, I don't think they really know who they're angry at yet, uh, because they don't have all the answers. They're angry that the report was suppressed. They're angry that that people died on this section of the highway. Um, Naturally, the counselors are receiving uh, the brunt of that anger, because they're the ones that are closest to the people. And the councillors are also feeling betrayed and angry that this happened in this manner at all. They they just do not understand how a report of that significance addressing health and safety issues was withheld from them.
0: Well, it's the timing, Brad, that I think a lot of folks, are, as I've seen some of the responses, and I've received an awful lot of them as well, Mm-hmm. Is because uh, I know I know that your current general manager Dan McKinnon said, "Look, there's a lot of consultant reports that never really see the light of day. They're just for staff and for internal things." But this was very germane to a debate that was going on, and I think that's what rankles a lot of people.
2: the The, the issue for me is that if our senior staff ever receive any report that is dealing with a health or safety issue uh, where lives could be at risk, where there's uh, serious safety concerns. I do, I do not believe that that report should be withheld from the council. It should be brought to the senior management and brought to the council immediately, and we're the ones that are supposed to make these decisions. Um, it frustrates me immensely that that this has happened.
0: Well, and I think what exacerbates the fr- the frustration and concern that you and your council colleagues feel, and certainly a, a lot of people in the public right now, is, is the fact that we were hearing concerns during the time of these fatalities, as these weren't being investigated about road conditions and about the quality of the road, the design of the road. I mean, there are a lot of things, some of them very relevant to what's going on Some of them, maybe not so much, but this report should have been part of that discussion because there was an opinion expressed by experts about that, that we never got to see. And more importantly, you never got to see.
2: And, and any background study like that should be brought forward. Uh, I mean, I- Uh, let let me just get right to the the nut of it the report was paid for by taxpayer money it was it was paid for to inform decisions of this government and then it was withheld so that cannot happen and it and we certainly have to put in place protocols to fix it so that it doesn't happen in the future but we have to find out the truth who knew When did they know? Why didn't they report it? What was the outfall? What was was the ramifications? These are all things that we need answers to, and, and I'm not sure the council on their own is equipped to, to get those answers.
0: Well, I know that you've got a couple of motions to address those two issues, and we're going to talk about those in just a couple of minutes. But I, I think what bothers an awful lot of the councillors, and you heard my conversation with Councillor Marula, and I've talked with others over the last couple of days as well, is is this defies one of the basic tenets of governance. In other words, you as a, an elected official can only make an informed decision based on the information that you're given.
2: Uh, you're, you're 100% correct. Uh, you know, <laughs> we make difficult decisions all the time and 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 sometimes in the back of your mind you think oh god i wish i didn't have to make this decision but if we are provided all of the information if we're provided the opportunity to question the experts who made these recommendations then we can make informed decisions to help protect uh, our community when that breaks down then the entire system is failing
0: and if there are people on staff that have a contrary opinion to that, by all means, you, they should inform council too and let the debate begin.
2: A hundred percent. I mean, that's what it's all about. There, I, I, I've frequently received reports that 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 said one thing, and then receive a minority report as someone who disagrees with it. That's all well and fine, but at the end of the day, the councilors have to make the decisions on how we move forward. If we don't get the report, then then clearly the, the system is failing, and and I want to know why we didn't get it.
0: So, as I said, initially a council said, well, we'll just turn this over to the Auditor General, and we're not privy to what went on the back and forth in there because it was a confidential meeting. I understand that for legal reasons. Uh, but you're considering now, from the motion I saw that you actually emailed over the weekend, Brad, uh, you want to take this to the next level.
2: Well, it's been my preference all along. Um, the Auditor General having a, a, an, an internal or our Auditor General do this investigation, that was something that the, c- the city could move forward with, with very quickly and start to, to preserve some of the, the records. Um, but from my experience, when you have an issue of such compelling public interest, you want to ensure that um, witnesses can be compelled to testify, that records can be seized, that should people not choose to, to participate in this process, that the judge has the authority to issue contempt of court citations. So there's an entire process that is available to any municipality in Ontario. It's a judicial investigation. Uh, It's under the Municipal Act. That's how it starts. We have a judge from Superior Court that would would hold the the hearings, Uh, and the hearings are all set up under the Public Inquiries Act. So this is not uh, something that's new. It's been done in many situations across the province over the years. And I, I, I honestly don't believe that we have any other alternative except to look at um, the one mechanism that can really dig in and get to the truth with authority.
0: As I said in my commentary at, uh, at 810 this morning, Brad, uh, not only did there be no bias, there can be no perception of bias. And, and the best way to uh, to eliminate that perception of bias is to just sh- shove this off and have nobody that's involved with the city have anything to do with the investigation. That's
2: Correct. I mean, I I know our Auditor General, I've known him for many years, he worked at Queen's Park, the man is uh, impeccable, he's he's fastidious, he has one hell of a reputation, Uh, but we're in a situation where he's also our internal auditor. So we have an internal auditor role for him and a hybrid role of Auditor General. So that in itself raises the potential for the perception that he's not completely independent. And we need to acknowledge that. And so how do we move forward in a manner that we have a clearly independent process that really has some authority and teeth to it to get the bottom of it? And I I just can't see any other avenue except the judicial investigation.
0: All right, if uh, your council colleagues are on side with this, I know you're going to present the motion later on this week, uh, what's the process? How do you you get somebody involved? Who do you ask? Um,
2: The process under the Municipal Act is we would request the Chief Justice uh, of the Superior Court of Ontario, to assign a judge to, to um, conduct this type of judicial investigation. So it's, it's not really that complicated. I think counsel should get some uh, expert legal advice from people who have gone through this before uh, to guide them through this process, um, but really the judge takes over at that point. And the process runs its course, and, and, and that really, as you stated in your comment today, it eliminates any hint of bias at all.
0: I know some people, I, as I go through some of these comments today, are suggesting that the OPP or other agencies get involved. This is not a criminal investigation. That's, I, I don't see any purpose in that. At this point, what you're recommending seems to be the best course of action.
2: Yeah, and and the Public Inquiries Act addresses um, liability issues and addresses what what evidence can be used in other proceedings. So it's very clear that this is about getting to the truth. It's not about criminality. It's not about civil litigation. It's simply about getting to the truth.
0: All right. Part B, uh, the other element that you wanted to discuss here uh, was process. Uh, How do you ensure that this, this sort of thing doesn't happen again?
2: Well, I, I I've looked at that long and hard, and I really believe that we need a protocol that directs city staff to share any consultant's reports, documents, memorandum, any any type of correspondence that raises any question about current or future risk to human health and safety. Those items should be shared with council immediately, and it sh- and the obligation should be put on staff to do that, and and that obligation should be a part of their employment contract
0: with the city. There's there's an old analogy I know you're very familiar with, and I think we've thrown it around from time to time, too, about the role between staff and, and the elected officials, and it's it's the rowing and steering. Uh, in other words, you are the council. You decide what the policy is going to be. Uh, you do the steering. They do the, the rowing, but it's in the direction in which you've told them to go. Uh, so when somebody independently, and I'm only alleging what happened here, I don't know what happened, but if somebody just arbitrarily decides, I don't think they need to see this, uh, that seems to be contrary to what that, that whole theory is, is trying to, I think, provoke.
2: And my biggest fear is that that starts to break down trust um, between uh, our staff and the council. We want to make sure that everyone around the table is feeling comfortable with each other. It's not about recrimination against any individuals. It's about having all of the information when we make decisions
0: who had eyes on this thing I mean I mean there seems to be some reporting right now as to who the general manager or the chief engineer was at that time and and the likelihood is I think uh, even uh, the mayor suggested that he probably saw this report who else would see this I mean I I find it hard to believe that only one person actually had eyes on this
2: I honestly can't answer that question I I don't know who's seen it and I think that's why the judicial investigation is important we need to find out how far up the ladder using the the colloquialism uh, this information went and and at this moment um i don't believe anyone on council including the mayor knows uh, uh, exactly who knew about it and why they didn't do anything we we're still trying to find uh what's what's happened uh, and and I, I suspect that the only way we're going to get to the bottom of it completely is to have that judicial investigation.
0: Can you ex- expedite this? I mean, how quickly can you get this done? I, I, I know that when I had Dan McKinnon on the program the other day, he suggested people have to be patient. I, I'm not sensing a lot of patience here, Brad.
2: Uh, no, over the weekend I didn't sense much patience at all um, from anybody. Uh, I, I, I think we need to make a decision quickly. I think that we need to have someone come in and, and explain, um, not just to the council but in public, what the process will be and how it would unfold, um, and and start that that investigation. Ultimately, once we make the decision to request uh, a, a judicial investigation or any external investigation, it leaves the council's hands. It should be in someone else's hands, and and the scope should be addressed uh, by that that independent investigator.
0: And, and by the way, they, my guess is that's not going to be the end of the process. Obviously, at the end of this inquiry, should council decide to go th- in this direction, uh, there's going to have to be some action, some reaction to this by council.
2: I I, I believe what we're we've already started in the two motions that I've already um, uh, put forward to my my colleagues, uh, including one that deals with how staff would answer and and and, and reply to any auditor general investigation. We need to make it clear that staff have to cooperate, and we have to put things like that in policy. So, part of our job right now is to to rebuild the trust um, uh, with the public uh, and, and 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 with our, our staff and ourselves, and put in place protocols that very clearly we're getting all of the information that we require, and start developing policies um, that open up, for example the freedom of information process and we and, and there's a term access by design. We shouldn't be forcing people to jump through hoops on freedom of information. If it's a, a basic report that has come back on on something, those documents paid for by taxpayers in my opinion should be automatically made available and not force people to go through large FOI processes that are costly.
0: Brad you're not the first council over the last couple of days that's talked about the relationship between the elected officials and staff. Is is that relationship bruised or is it broken?
2: I think it's bruised i i think everyone i i I sincerely believe that senior staff and counselors um share the same concerns and desires to move forward to fix this and to work together on it Um, but i have to be honest i i know a lot of my colleagues uh, are feeling very betrayed um and and they're not sure on, on the trust level we have to rebuild that trust level we have to know that uh, Mr. Zagarek and his team, when we ask for information, that they're going to provide it. They're going to provide it promptly. And I believe that we're going to see that happen very quickly
0: as we move forward. Could be a very revealing week. Brad, thanks for the time today. Appreciate it. We'll be watching. Take care, Bill. You bet. You, Brad Clark, the uh, Council for Ward 9. <sharp> You're listening to the
2: Bill Kelly Show Podcast on 900 CHML.
0: We have, uh, as we said on the program last week, and I think we can reiterate it today, probably never seen the anger level as high as it is uh, among cities population uh, to do with this Red Hill situation. Uh, we, We have had belt blumps on the road. We've had scandals in the past, etc. but uh, this is possibly dealing with some of the fatalities that have occurred here. We don't know that yet, but certainly the families that lost loved ones uh, over the last number of years, uh, seven people have died, of course, on that stretch of road over the last little while, and now thinking, what if? Uh, what if city staff had done that? Now, I, I asked Councilor Marula that on Friday when he was uh, on the program. I said, what would you have done had you received that report when it came out? He says, we would have fixed it. Right away, we would have taken the staff recommendation. We would have done the repairs immediately, and and boy, it, when the families hear that news, they got to think, gee, if they done that, who knows. Hmm. Laura Babcock, president of Power Group, joins us here in studio. Uh, you've seen this. Uh, just by the way, to put this in context, mm-hmm. you were supposed to be on holidays last oh, yeah. week. <laughs> and then this story broke.
3: It broke while we were driving yeah. to our ski resort. And I I did that little video while Rob was driving of the Red Hill because we were driving yeah. in bad winter conditions. Uh, and from that moment on, I think uh, I, I've never seen so much social media Attention to something I've never seen so much anger. I had people calling me and sending me pictures of the people who had died on that road. I mean it. So I'm I'm happy to give up, you know, a couple of days of of revelry uh, to try to get answers on this. And I spent a lot of time on the weekend also talking to counselors. I wrote an open letter supporting a motion for a judicial investigation. Now I
0: saw the response from Councillor Clark Bradman yes. just on with us. I saw Councillor Jackson's response. Anybody yes.
3: else? Um, directly to my open letter not yet Uh, although I've talked to the mayor several times Uh, and so where we're at I hope that the people in the city can hear this very clearly we need a judicial investigation and nothing less because It alone has subpoena power. It used to be called the public inquiry, right? And Mm -hmm. we're used to that with some other uh, famous stories where there was cover-ups or their deaths may have resulted in some sort of negligence. We're at that level. And on Wednesday night at council, I would expect there's going to be hundreds and hundreds of people showing up asking for that because it's it's not about one person who might have covered this up. I don't believe for a second having... Worked on a lot of scandals with clients, having been a journalist, I don't believe for one second, that a single person knew about something this dangerous and this damning to their own project work and didn't show it to any supervisors, that nobody... uh, We need to find out who knew and when did they know it. And the only way to do that is a judicial investigation. So if we hear counsel try to say on Wednesday night, we need to look more into it. We need to find out more details. That, to me, is tantamount to a stall. To try to run out the clock on the public anger on this. We don't. We
0: don't want to hear. For, I, I. don't want to hear things. like We're going to ask staff to come back with options. I, I cannot. You I, have no option here.
3: No. I, I. There is no option. And and I hope you know. There's been a lot of things, certainly on the O show and on your show over the last however many decades, that. Uh, I've been uh, concerned about at City Hall, the culture at City Hall, the cultural surveys that were done, talked about an environment of, of fear and an environment of people feeling like they couldn't be whistleblowers. So I don't think that this whole Red Hill Report scandal comes out of nowhere. I think that there is a problem at the city, and a lot of people who work at the city have said this, and I heard them all this weekend, all these messages I was receiving. So let's just take this seriously for the families of the seven people who died for the people who are involved in those what 800 collisions for families like mine who have been driving on bad weather on that road since the report even resurfaced in september and city staff said they were just too busy to let us know about it that is the biggest load of garbage that i have heard and this story is national now because other cities recognize a scandal of this magnitude and want the truth as much as we do here in Hamilton. So nothing less than a judicial investigation. Don't be tricked or fooled by some sort of stall tactic or some sort of downgrade or let's wait for the, you know, the the internal investigation to see what fruit it bears before. No, forget it. And if they say that it's too expensive to do a judicial investigation, that's our right as, as taxpayers, as citizens, to get one of these done. And you can't put a price on the lives lost or those of us who are put at risk. You just can't.
0: Well, the cost is, should be inconsequential. I That's mean, this is right. a, a matter of, of getting to the truth right now. And, and you know, I, I used the phrase in my commentary. I just talked with Brad about it. Uh, there can be no bias, but there can also be no perception of bias, That's and that right. means it's got to come out. It's got to be done outside. Outside eyes have to look at this whole thing. Uh, and I'm connecting the dots here. When Sam was on, and he, he pointed to this video of this meeting that he mm-hmm. had when he was actually chairing the meeting, and he was questioning city staff about this, and getting that same line that "Don't worry, this the quality of the road is fine." That. Is around the same timeline that this report was was given to the city staff. So I'm thinking, I'm listening to the answers that they're giving to Council Marula there, and I'm thinking, mm-hmm. wait a minute, did somebody know something? Because if they did, then they're misleading. What's well, a cover up? I, but I don't know. I don't well, know that the people there, that were answering those questions sure, had privy to, but there, to be that report. But, there ha- there was but somebody a, did. There was a
3: 2017 Spectator quote saying that they couldn't, they asked the city if they had done a friction test on the road, and the city said that the results were inconclusive. So They're acknowledging there was a report, a a consultant's investigation done, and they said that the report results were inconclusive. That's just not true. We know that's just not true. So, I, I mean, we don't have to be super detectives to realize that for some reason... Somebody or multiple people felt that this information would be somehow damaging, maybe to their careers, maybe to the project, so we weren't getting the truth. Councillor Marula wasn't getting the truth when he answered those questions. We need to find out why. And there are other quotes that have been sent to me by journalists who interviewed somebody at the city and were told that the road was was you know even better than mto standards when in fact they knew that it was substandard and very substandard in certain spots so they're feeling badly and it's all public it's on my twitter feed they're feeling badly that they believed them and i said you know these are the city experts telling you this it's not your fault we
0: had the mothers of, of some of the victims on right here sitting in the yeah. studio a couple of years ago and we heard their, their heart wrenching stories, and so we reached out to staff and we asked mm. those same things, and we ha- we got those same assurances, right? And and I, and again, I will reiterate, somebody in the public works department knew of this report. Now, not everybody. I'm not suggesting everybody knew about it. Right? We don't know. But who. somebody decided, I'm going to bury this because I don't agree with it. But that's if they disagree with it, their job is to expose it and simply say, but I'm going to write a report saying I don't think it's right, and here's why. Then have a debate.
3: Yeah, you don't go out to the media. You don't go out to um, all the uh, to these other requests for information and say, oh, no, There was we, we did it. We tested the friction levels, but it, it's inconclusive. That is just not true. And so when you have truth and you then cover the truth with misdirection or misstatements or whatever else, once we pile this all up, that's a cover-up. And, you know, we as citizens who paid $30,000 for this this investigation because we were worried about the road... Deserved to know from 2013 on that that road was unsafe and council deserved to know that they needed to repave it and fix it. And the fact that it came up again, you know, it was magically unlocked and someone saw it in a file. But then they decided in September, oh, you know, we're too busy with the municipal election to let the public know that, in fact, uh, sections of that road are dangerous in driving conditions, uh, you know, in certain driving conditions. How do you sit there? This is what keeps I keep coming back to you, Bill. How do you sit there knowing that all of these families, including mine, are driving on that road in bad late fall winter conditions that were, what, 50% more crashes when that would happen on those sections of that road? How do you know that and sit on it? I mean, how? I don't understand. And I want to find out why they would do that to us. We deserve so much better as citizens in this city.
0: One of the ways this is different from a lot of the other things that you and I have talked about over the years Uh, because it was usually the anger was was directed at City Hall. Those those councillors, that staff. Mm
3: -hmm.
0: But this is councillor that's upset, too. I mean, this is the public, and these are councillors that said, hey, like, what's going on here?
3: And this is the thing. I I really hope that no one around that council... Uh, Horseshoe knew about this. I really hope that the city manager, who previ- Chris Murray, the previous city manager who was actually part of the Red Hill file uh, before he became city manager, I hope he didn't know about this. And I hope that the mayor at the time, Bertina, didn't know about this. But the only way we're going to find out who knew is going to be through a judicial investigation, not some internal thing, even with a, a you know well-meaning internal investigator at the city, all fine. But This is bigger than that. We actually need to know. And there seems to be so much swirling around this story, Bill, that it's going to take that kind of a dedicated effort to find out the truth. I hope this is just isolated to a couple of uh, staff people who made very bad decisions, but that also makes me ask, why would they think that that's what they should do? Why would they think that that's what either their superiors would want or the project people on this would want? Why would they do that? I need to know that answer because it speaks to a lot more about what might be going on at the culture of City Hall.
0: Well, Council's got uh, one chance to get this right, and that's this Wednesday. That's right. And we'll see what happens. Listen, while I've got you in here, Mm -hmm. I know that you've been tweeting about another issue that happened over the weekend. uh, And there's a broader issue here about the selection of a new city manager. Uh, And and I've got some questions about process. I know some people were getting upset about the fact that they were held in confidence. You you have to do interviews in confidence Mm -hmm. for a job of this magnitude. Uh, My concern with the process, Laura, goes back to square one, Mm -hmm. when they made the decision that this is going to be the selection committee. That was the past council. Mm Mm-hmm. Knowing darn well there's going to be an election and some new faces, why in God's name would they decide we're the ones that are going to do this?
3: For control. For control of the process, uh, and that's why new counselor Maureen. And, and I know whether, uh, by the yeah. way, because
0: I heard from one of the counselors and say, No, no, we didn't name names, we said the committee chairs. Right. Well, no rookie is going to be a committee well, of chair, of course.
3: Of course, so the city manager role for people who remember way back in the day <laughs> in this town has always been a, it's essentially we're hiring the CEO of the organization where we pay all their bills and they they have thousands of staff that they oversee. This it doesn't get bigger than this in some way. The mayor's role is not even as powerful in some way. 7,000 city, employees. Right, city manager's role. Um, and so there's always been this this tension. If a city manager is too in council's face, it doesn't work out well. And other city managers have been accused of being a little too uh, easy to you know get along to go along with council. So it is critical that we have a city councilor that is, or a city manager that is hired through a principal process. As Maureen, people should check out new councillor um, Maureen Wilson's speech on this. She said the, the process is the principal. If the process starts out from a a skeptical place um, that doesn't include the new council makeup, that doesn't look at the candidates through the the equity lenses that it must, uh, if we don't do our very best to to hire this new city manager, uh, it's just a flawed process. And we need to have more faith. Now, Now, when you put on top of that, and I see these as the same issue, Bill, honestly, how can we hire a city manager now? When we don't know if the past city manager, the current city manager, or candidates for city manager, or councilors on that selection committee might have known about the Red Hill report, I mean, we don't have that level of trust right now in the decision making. And the fact that they went off to Niagara on the Lake, cost whatever—it's a little sketchy around the municipal act that they could even do that. And the fact that a busload or a couple of 4 four—you know—young people took their Saturday to go down there, and they say they were they were identified as soon as they got on the premises, and they were they were blocked by security. The whole thing looks ridiculous. And so uh, forget about all of the perceptions of whatever's going on with the selection of the city manager. I just don't think as a city we're in a position to make that kind of a decision when we still don't understand who all the players were in this other scandal that resulted possibly in the deaths of our own citizens. So, you know, let's just take a deep breath and hold on this process. Stop making these ridiculous unforced errors, (laughs) Council, and let's just get this judicial and investigation on Red Hill going and then we can talk about what the selection of a city manager needs to look like yeah,
0: I know but I'm, even some of the comments I've seen about social media on this about the, the th- what happened at White Oaks on the weekend
3: they were showing up in disguise I, as the I, candidates well I and know that, but, and some of the ridiculous. and some
0: of the people who took the bus down there are saying well we want to be part of the process I'm sorry you're well, not going to be part do of you know the process. I don't
3: think they I don't think actually because I've talked to them all weekend too I don't think that they wanted to be part of the process of the selection or even to see the candidates I think what they wanted to see is hey we're young Hamiltonians uh, this meeting has an, a starting and an ending which is open to the public that's just the way that any meeting like this goes before council goes in camera we want to be there for the starting and the closing and they say when they showed up the meeting had been moved up and they missed it now I have talked to uh, people all weekend and apparently the city clerk's going to explain their position on this but optically which is my profession right it looks ridiculously bad and the city council cannot afford to look like they're chasing out these young hamiltonians who are just trying to stand up for their own okay, do- let me ask you price. something though laura
0: yeah all uh, right this is not the first time since the city of hamilton was amalgamated in 2000 now the first city manager was appointed by the transition mm-hmm. board uh, but subsequently to that, they, they hired uh, Bob Robertson, they mm-hmm. hired Glenn Peace, they hired uh, Chris Murray. Yeah, this was the same process. Why is it different this time? They did the same thing all three times, and I didn't hear any hue and cry then. All of a sudden, this time, it seems different.
3: It's different this time because our council has changed. I mean, we have a significantly different council now than we've had before. And we have some counselors on there, Narinder Nan and Maureen Wilson, who have tremendous amounts of experience around these kind of things. And they understand that if a process from the very beginning looks as though it isn't fully representative of the makeup of the council, whether it's a racialized person on it, and we're not talking about tokenism We're talking about having experience from some of these new councillors sitting around that. If if there's questions from the new council about, hey, why can't we be a part of it? Can't we just, you know, have one of us or two of us on there just to balance this out so that it looks as though the the process is more principled? They got blocked on that by some bureaucratic technical nonsense. And when I heard the current councillors go, well, you know, 11th hour on a napkin, they'd been talking about this since June and they'd been trying, right? So it doesn't look good. It doesn't passed the smell test. And I commend these young kids who who took a bus to Niagara-on-the-Lake to try to lend some some oversight to this. They shouldn't have to. I don't care that they do private selection committee meetings and I don't even care that much that they went out of town if that's something that happens. What I care about is that this process was called into question for months by the new members of council who said, we're here, this is a big decision, we need to be heard and we need to represent the diverse views of our constituents.
0: Well, and I go back to my point. Uh, You know, when council kicked this down the road, which is they're pretty good at, mm-hmm. uh, and they said, we're not even going to do this. We're going to let the new council, ele- after the, the October elections, we'll let them handle this. Mm-hmm. Then why did they already do step one and say, okay, but we're going to determine who's going to make that decision? Well, because They, they should have just said, we're not doing anything. We're not even touching this until we find out who's going to sit around this table.
3: Do you know what? Hamilton counselors have an incredible skill of survival. Like I, I've you know I, I I bow down to their ability <laughs> to always try to line things up for their own political survival they've done it on things forever whether they kick something down the can down the road to the next council or whether they grab the control on whatever which is why on Wednesday I don't want anybody to be fooled by those survival skills I don't want anybody to think that kicking this judicial investigation down the road for more information or to see how the other one's gonna pan out I don't want people to be fooled by that this council's good at it they're good at it and and you know what most politicians understand the system, understand how to get what they want, and understand how to stay in their jobs. So I'm not even saying it from a, I'm not even trying to put them down. I'm simply saying, as citizens, there's too much going on right now. The highest job in the city about to be picked, and there's some skepticism around that process by the current councillors we elected. And there's also this this damning report, and what looks like two cover-ups in 2013 and 2018, we need to find out what is going on.
0: Well, exactly, and and like I say, council sets the course for this, and and that's mm-hmm. why this is such an important decision. I, I'm, I'm as as upset about the city manager situation, and 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 the offsite thing, by the way, is allowed within the municipal sure. act. It says within the city boundaries or find, neighboring. What coastal?
3: if we find out that the count, the person selected. To get the city manager's job by the selection committee we find out in six months new about the Red Hill report what then I mean how how do we how do we do one of these major things without understanding what's going on on the other side of it?
0: But you see that now that we're into a a different scenario because we won't know that because this uh, we don't even know who's applied right I don't even know if there are any internal candidates
3: right but we'll find but so this is my whole point is that when when the city has got a trust deficit happening I mean people you know never trust politicians a hundred percent But in the last 48, 72 hours, I would say that the trust in the city and and its leadership and its staff has really dropped off precipitously. So in this moment, don't go forward with a city manager hire when even the councillors sitting around the council table, the new councillors aren't satisfied that the process is transparent and inclusive enough. I mean, just, just tap the brakes for a second, council. Okay, we can breathe and we can find out as a city what we need to know so that we can go ahead with confidence. We require that now.
0: Everybody councillors, the city staff, and the people in the public gallery are looking at each other with skepticism, and, and, and that's that's not a healthy situation. And I wouldn't
3: want to be taking over the job of city manager in the middle of this big scandal. I, mean, I responded to Sam Marilla this morning, who's blaming sort of the, the media or the protesters or whatever for losing a top candidate in this election thing. And my answer was, well, maybe they're letting you down nicely, because they don't want to take over a city embroiled in a major scandal and a judiciary investigation coming. Maybe they are smart enough to know, hey, the city's got to figure Out some of its issues before I walk into that. I mean, I wouldn't blame them, would you?
0: Well, and who knows why that one candidate decided to step back? Um, They're suggesting it's the media scrutiny. I'm suggesting there could have been other factors. Could have been the
3: underlying story.
0: Could be. Laura Babcock from Power Group. Thanks as always. Great talking with you.
3: My pleasure. You're listening to the Bill Kelly Show podcast on 900 CHML. Busy
0: day today. Uh, We'll move from uh, municipal politics up to the federal scene, uh, where all eyes, of course, are going to be on. Uh, the uh, the government and their reaction again today to do with uh, the, well, some are calling it a scandal, uh, the SNC-Lavalin uh, scandal, uh, and uh, their reaction to it, uh, they seem to be stumbling and fumbling on this, and uh, everybody seems to have a commentary on this, and everybody seems to have an opinion on this. Uh, you follow some of the social media memes on this over the last little while, and many are projecting this is the demise of the Trudeau government. It's over, it's toast, this is going to pr- send them sinking. Others say it's much ado about nothing. Uh, As always, I guess the truth of probably somewhere in the middle. A great piece in the National Post today by John Iverson called The Government Needs to Let uh, Jody Wilson-Raybould Speak. And John joins us on the Bill Kelly Show to talk about this. Good morning, John. Thanks so much for the time today. Morning, how are you doing? Good, good. You Listen, you addressed that right in the beginning of the column about some of the, uh, uh, well, I think you called it over-caffeinated tweets about uh, what some people are looking at. I, I, I'm not trying to downplay this because this is pretty serious stuff, but at the same time, this uh, seems to be variation on on a theme of how business is done in Ottawa.
1: Yeah, I mean, the, the problem is we just don't know, right? We just yeah. don't know what was said to whom and when. Um, I think I was trying to put a little bit of... Uh, perspective on it and trying to cool people's opinions about it, because it it may not be the sponsorship scandal all over again, which is what some people were saying online. Um, But, you know, the government's in probably the hottest water it's been in since it got elected.
0: Yeah, this is going to make Trudeau pine for the day, so they're just talking about the India trip, isn't it?
1: Yeah, (laughs) really,
0: yeah. I mean,
1: let's see what happens in the next opinion polls, but... um, uh, this does not look good on them and, and he didn't help himself when in the press conference when he was asked about it because he he looked like he had something to hide
0: well and again it's it's all in in delivery i guess and and you know in this age of social media and instantaneous news uh, coverage uh, that was a prepared statement, and we all know it was a prepared statement. Obviously done by his lawyers, and said, "Don't vary off this," because every time anybody asked him a question, it was the exact same answer over and over again. In other words, he just didn't want to. He didn't want to delve into this. This was not the off-the-cuff prime minister who who would just you know sit there and and, and give his opinion on everything. They were walking on thin ice there, and they knew it.
1: Yeah. Now, I, so the interpretation by the opposition and and people who don't like the liberals was that this they did did this for for legal reasons, because if he, did, if he said anything else, he might be in legal hot water. I don't think it's going to come to that. I mean, it may well do. It may, be, it may well be that people in the prime minister's office are charged with obstruction of justice because they tried to ram through a decision against the will of the attorney general. At the end of the day, that decision was not rammed through. So, you know, arguably the system worked. Uh, she said no and, and nothing, nothing proceeded. My take on it, though, is that they didn't want—they don't want this to come out because it looks really bad in them. It looks like they are behaving just like Stephen Harper's government would have done. You have a, a, a minister here who didn't do what they wanted her to do, and so they turfed her. Uh, now, there's nothing legally wrong with that, but it does, it's hardly the, the change agenda that Justin Trudeau propounded
0: when he came into office. And, and as you, uh, you described in the piece today, John, I mean, there are some circumstances here which led us to this point. Uh, NSC Lavalin, of course, has a reputation already. We know that on the international stage, uh, they've been accused of, and, and obviously in this case looks convicted of, of, of bribery. That's what it comes down to with other governments, not the Canadian government, with with other governments. Uh, and uh, and they got caught with their hand in the cookie jar this time, and, and they face some pretty significant penalties if they're convicted.
1: Right. Now, the biggest one being that if they're uh, convicted, then they can't bid on uh, federal contracts for 10 years. Uh, That would be uh, disastrous for this company which relies on infrastructure projects and employs thousands of people, particularly in Quebec. Uh, That would be a disaster for the Liberal government if it happened on their watch. So, you know, you can imagine they have sympathy with this idea that uh, they could strike a remediation deal. Um, This was snuck into the the budget bill last year, the, the fact that it would bring Canada into line with the UK and the US, and it essentially allows a, government, uh, a company to say, look, we're guilty. This happened on, on a previous watch, previous executives who have now been charged criminally, and we will pay a fine, and that is essentially the end of it. That's what SNC wants to happen. I think that's what the Prime Minister's office wants to happen. It's probably what the Conservatives would want to happen if they were in government.
0: Well, right. we, we already know that, uh, that Lavalin actually met with Andrew Scheer at some point a few months right. ago as well. Right. I mean, and and that, that's their job, right? I mean, their job is to say, look, we're looking for a deal here. Can you help?
1: yeah and it's their job to do that and it's it's the government's job to listen i mean it would be a uh, they would be uh, in error if they didn't take these meetings and and be sympathetic to the to the potential loss of thousands of jobs of course they should um now the the tricky bit there then becomes the the the, the meetings between the attorney general Jody wilson rebold and the people in the prime minister's office now we don't exactly know who met but we know that we know who was lobbied Presumably the people who were lobbied were the people who met with with uh, Jodie Wilson-Raybould. We know that Gerald Butts, the Principal Secretary, talked to her briefly about this, although uh, in his words he's, he handed this off to the Clerk of the Privy Council. But whatever was said, now if it was said that we're just informing you this is the situation with SNC-Lavalin, we would like you to take on this this case because the Director of Public Prosecutions has said that she intends to prosecute Um, if the Attorney General takes on the case and makes it public that she's taking on the case, then that is a political decision. And the Prime Minister's office wanted her to do that. She decided she didn't want to do it.
0: You also bring up in the piece today the uh, Shawcross Principle, which was established, as you mentioned, in the UK and adopted here in Canada, which essentially, as, as you point out, uh, says that uh, the AG should not be put under any pressure by colleagues but it also suggests it's appropriate for the AG to consult cabinet colleagues before exercising his or her power. Uh, given the personality of, of the minister at the time John, you got to figure that any conversation that was had there was initiated uh, by the PMO and not by her.
1: Right and and then the question comes down to was she informed of particular considerations or was she told what the decision ought to be and that's really the nub of this this whole issue. Now, anybody who, who had dealt with Jody Wilson-Raybould knows she's an independent minister. She didn't take advice kindly, and the Prime Minister's office is not very tolerant of that, it seems, because uh, when the when the opportunity came up, Scott Bryson said he was resigning from Cabinet. This allowed them the opportunity to do a broader shuffle and move her. And I think that that's, they don't like the, the optics of that. It does look like it was a bit of recrimination.
0: So... Uh, and obviously, we've heard what Andrew Shear's done. He's written to the Prime Minister, asking for the minister, ex-minister now, or, uh, Attorney General, rather, to speak out on this. Others are calling for the uh, the, the Judicial Committee to uh, assemble this week, even though this is a dark week, I guess, for the Commons. Uh, I, I don't think that's probably the most beneficial tact. I mean, those things tend to just be political sideshows, don't they?
1: Well, it looks pretty clear that the Liberals won't allow it to go forward yeah, anyway. Okay, so it's it, a moot point, it, it, isn't it? It
0: hits, it hits the buffers so that's not going to happen uh, but what you're suggesting in the column seems to make the most sense is is basically lift the legal gag order that's uh, that's keeping her from speaking out on this
1: right now it it um you know let's remember she still sits in cabinet so um it might not be in her interest to do that but if she decides that this is a point of principle and she's going to stand up on it and she will not um, she will sp- speak truth to power, which is what she said. Remember when she was demoted, she put yeah. up this very unusual statement, saying she'd done everything, gone beyond even beyond what was in her mandate letter, as far as uh, her role as Minister of Justice and bringing forward legalization of pot and assisted dying and various other bills, and that she had spoken truth to power um, when it came to her role as the Attorney General. Now, now we know what she was talking about. She may decide that this is a point of principle, and she is going to. Sp- speak out about it because the finger of suspicion is now pointing at her as the source of all these stories um you know it would be a disaster for the government if she came out and spoke frankly about what had happened um but i think that is the only way we're going to get to the to the uh, root of what was actually said and whether she was informed or told what to do and you know i think without that this thing might just fizzle without the, the oxygen to keep it aflame
0: how principled, and I'm I, being somewhat facetious when I put it in that that phrase. Yeah, how principled is she to the point where she would actually one day say, "I cannot serve this government anymore because of what's going on"? Or is she just going to stay uh, ducked under here and just hope this thing passes over as well?
1: No, I I, I have a suspicion she might uh, break ranks here. It's it's um, you know even putting out the statement the way she did, uh, there's deep disquiet from her and uh, and her friend that she's now being. Uh, victimized in her view by by colleagues who are saying that she's the source of it Um, I could see this going badly wrong for the Prime Minister in that she may well decide she's not going to run again Uh, she would prefer to be outside of government so she can she can criticize it without uh, fear or favor if that happens this thing runs and runs into the election if it doesn't I think that without any new information we all start looking for something
0: else to write about. Well, we all talked about that in the past, haven't we, about news cycles in Ottawa, and there's this, you know, if you don't like this scandal, wait till next week, there'll be, there'll be another one, there'll be something yeah, that'll come
1: there, up. there'll be none like this so far.
0: No, that, that's what I'm wondering about, just how much of a shelf life this one's going to have, and I guess that really it's up to her now, isn't it? I mean, I know the pressure is on the Prime Minister now to lift uh, that, that, that privilege, that client-lawyer uh, privilege that she's got right now, uh, but if she leaves Cabinet, is she still bound by that, isn't she?
1: yes but but the government's going to be under a lot of pressure to be, as, as the client to to waive that privilege i think the other one thing is that um you know david lametti seems to the her replacement as justice minister and, and attorney general seemed to suggest that this remediation deal could still be in place that uh, that he might take on this uh, this case for snc Lavalan and 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 granted essentially a a clean slate um that would add fuel to the fire for sure.
0: I know, but that's the political reality, isn't it? I mean, the newly appointed uh, Attorney General is from Quebec. Uh, let's face it, the, the most, the, the deepest impact that it would have if they are convicted and have to serve this penalty are going to be the people in Quebec right now. And uh, I, this is a guy that wants to get reelected too, not just his government, but he himself, I'm sure, Lometty, would like to be back there for the next uh, session of Parliament as well. For so sure. you just got to wonder if politics is going to trump practicality here.
1: Well, there is. So the case is still before the courts. The. Um, so the director of public prosecution said she was not going to uh, negotiate a remediation deal. Uh, snc Lavalan appealed that at the federal court level. That is still to be heard. Now, I guess if the decision goes against SNC, that would be the point that Lametti may decide to step in. But I think if he did at this stage, it would look even worse on the government than it does already.
0: Will, it, will the court overturn that decision to, to not cut a deal? Uh, it's, hard, it's hard to say. I have no no clue in that. I mean, I mean, this it could do. You can't separate the l- l- legal issues from politics in Ottawa, can you?
1: Well, at the federal court level, you would think you you probably can. I don't think they're going to be influenced by the case here. They'll be influenced by the facts in front of them. Um, certainly, you know, we saw the federal court of appeal uh, turn down the uh, the Trans Mountain pipeline, so we know that the courts yeah.
0: still have some independence. John, just quick question on process here that I, I, maybe you could shed some light on. Uh, if she is given permission to speak, in, in what, how would that happen? In, you know, in, in what protocol would that be? Would she just would it be for a committee? Would I, I'm just think, trying to get my head around exactly what she would do and how she would do it.
1: I would imagine that if she, if they, they did do that and she was agreeable, then somehow it would be in some forum like the committee or, um, th- that's not entirely clear. But frankly, I don't think it matters. Even if she stands up in in uh, the foyer of the House of Commons and, and speaks it. It doesn't really matter where she does it. It just matters that she's willing to do it. Um, I think she might be willing, but I just think the government, it would be too toxic for them to, to
0: allow her. Uh, it's a must-read piece today, trying to get some insight into what's going on. Uh, John Iverson in the National Post. John, as always, thanks so much for this. really appreciate it. Okay, Bill, thanks. Take Bye. care. We'll talk again soon. Uh, and this one, uh, as they say in the biz, uh, is a story with legs. It's it's not going to go away. I know this is a, uh, what they call a dark week. The MPs are back home now in their home ridings. Uh, so there's not a whole lot going on. There's certainly no question period uh, going on this week. So uh, it's not as if there's going to be any incendiary flames going back and forth across the floor of the commons. Uh, but it is a story that uh, that people are asking an awful lot about. And as John said, there's let's face it, there's a whole lot of camps that are involved in this. Uh, there are people in this country that don't like liberals. There are people that don't like John, Justin Trudeau. And they're looking at this and saying, aha, this is the one that's going to sink them. Uh There are others that uh, don't like controversies and scandals. And there seems to be... A whiff of a little bit of each of that with uh, what's gone on here. But on the other hand, as John points out in his piece today in the National Post, uh, this is really kind of a variation on the way business is done. Of course a company that's got this as much at, at stake is going to be talking to people in Ottawa. Uh, they talked not just to the Prime Minister's office, but it's admitted that Andrew Shear had a conversation with them as well because they're looking for some assistance and for some help here. But it's really, I guess, the the overriding question is who spoke to whom? Uh, did the Prime Minister's office try to pressure the AG? Or did, did the AG suggest that she wanted to get involved in this? It, uh, just given her personality and her track record on this, it seems that's a very unlikely possibility. But anyway, the only way we're going to really find out, I guess, is if she's allowed to speak. And uh, the Prime Minister hasn't talked about that yet. The Bill Kelly Show. Weekdays from 9 to noon on 900 CHML.